Welcome in to another new episode of the Codings Pro interview series. My name is Ben Dubose, and I'm a staff writer with Codings Pro. In today's episode, we're going to be jumping back into our member profile series in which we spotlight some of the longtime members of SSPC, the Society for Protective Codings and or NACE International, and look forward to how the new combined organization known as AMP, that's the Association for Materials Protection and Performance, can best serve their needs and those of the codings industry moving forward. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about District Council 57 of the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, that's IUPAT-DC 57 for short, and that's an organization of more than 2,500 members in Western Pennsylvania. Formed in 1997 as a council made of several local unions, its goal is to represent tradespeople in the region while helping them achieve careers with good wages, good benefits, safety, and dignity in the workplace. Andrew Kroll, Director of Organizing at IUPAT District Council 57, has found his affiliations with SSPC and now AMP quite helpful to both his career and the objectives of the union as well. Andrew recently sat down with us to discuss what those relationships have meant to both him and IUPAT over the years, as well as what the outlook may be moving forward. And without any further delay, let's play back that conversation for you right here on the Codings Pro interview series. Andrew, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Doing well myself. And I think a good place to start, if we could, because I know you've got a lot of things going on. So if you could just give our listeners a little bit of information as far as your personal biography, your career in the codings industry, uh, your accomplishments, certifications, those types of things. For anyone that does not know Andrew Kroll, what are some of your uh, career highlights? So I... um joined the IUPAT back in 2006 um, as a commercial and industrial painter. Um, from there, I uh, got into um, as a as a part-time instructor for the union, probably back in 2012, I believe it was. And my career pretty much took off from there when it came into, uh, you know, getting the certifications that I needed and get on the job, such as, you know, the uh, C3, um, uh, CAS, um, I took the, uh, a lot of other courses like the C1, C2 that were offered, uh, not only just for work, but to, you know, for me to continue my own education as well. So when we talk about what you do today with IUPAT, the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades and the Finishing Trades Institute there, what are the areas of expertise for IUPAT and how can it work in tandem with associations like SSPC, NACE, and now AMP? So I help develop a lot of our curriculum we teach at the IUPAT um, and knowing uh, how involved the SSPC or, you know, now AMP was in the certifications that were required by at end user entities such as Department of Transportations, we really could push that into our curriculum uh, to give our members um, a leg up on on what they were going to be faced with in the real world. So when did you actually get started with SSPC activities? You, you mentioned C3 earlier. What was sort of the point in your career that you knew that they would be an asset to you guys? Um you know what? I was actually still in the field at the time. Um, okay. I knew it was going to be a lead job coming up. Um, 
and the, the contractor I was working for said, hey, does any of you guys have a C3 or a C5? And I knew there was a class coming up, and I enrolled in it, took it, um, worked on that job. And then uh, I got my – I found out that uh, I got above a 90 and went through the process to start teaching that class. So as the years have progressed, how has your SSPC affiliation continued to benefit you? Obviously, I know C3 was an initial spark to get you involved, but what are some of the ways over the years that uh, being affiliated with SSPC and the various areas have worked to benefit you? Um, over the years, I've t- attended many of their conferences, um, have spoke at their conferences, uh, have taught a class there. I uh, sat on a panel of young professionals um, a couple years ago. We started the SSPC Still City chapter, which was Pittsburgh's chapter that originally was kind of dead in the water. And we brought back to life. Um, the the people that you meet and the contacts you meet are, to me, invaluable. You can't put a price on that. Um, it may be just a question. It may be something that a spark that you're talking about that – You've met somebody down the road that, you know, from a conference or a show that you're that conversation can change the industry or and better it. And that's what that's what I love about our partnership. And what I've I've come to love about the SSPC is that it doesn't matter where you're from, who who you are. It's all about bettering the industry. And that's what truly matters. So now that SSPC and NACE have merged into AMP. What are some of the ways that AMP can serve the industry in the future? What are some of the ways that it can work with IUPAT? And just generally speaking, what are you hoping to see from the merger? Um, I really hope that uh, they continue to have the IUPAT's input. Um, we do employ um, tens of thousands of industrial painters. Uh, we do have one of the largest workforces out there of highly skilled, highly trained workforce um, of industrial painters. Um, and we have worked with them in the past to develop standards, curriculum, um, and I hope to see that continue. You mentioned earlier about the days when you were out in the field. When was that specifically, when we're talking just overall years of your uh, career? Uh 2006 to, um, let's say 2016. Okay. Yeah, 2015, 2016, I, I got out of the field completely. So okay. there was 10 years of field experience, and I'm taking that field experience now and putting it into, you know, the curriculum applications mm-hmm. and, you know, talking to new members and future members of, of what our trade has to offer. So what are some things when you talk to these guys that are doing work out in the field in 2022 that are different from your time from 06 through 2016? What are some of the ways that the industry has changed? What are some of the trends that you're seeing as far as technologies, best practices, safety and environmental rules? Just give us sort of a high-level overview of what the people that you talk to that are out in the field today really need and how that contrasts with um, your needs from 10 to 15 years ago. So as far as technology, uh, the robotics application is really taking off. That's something that we did not have there. Um, 
so being familiar with that type of equipment, not only how to operate it, but maintain it and to be safe while doing so. Um, as far as, you know, safety and environmental roles, um, a lot of these roles at one time have been almost looked over. And I really feel that the, the superintendents and the foremen on these jobs, as well as the end users, are really taking this more serious than ever. And that change to me is, is a great change. That's something that wasn't always there. And as the years progress, um, you know, it is being taken more serious. And that is a great thing. When we talk about robotics, this is something that, and I think this extends well beyond the coatings industry, but there can be a fear sometimes from people who hear robotics and are worried that that might eventually cost human jobs. What do you say to your members? Well, I guess a, I guess let me rephrase that. Have you heard that concern? And if so, what do you say to people who are hesitant about embracing the robotics trends because they fear that it might uh, change their jobs or potentially take away a job? So there's a couple aspects on that. Um, one, <clears throat> we should never fear for our jobs because of technology advancing. Um, mm-hmm. Something like technology will allow a company to bid more jobs um, and in return employ more people, even if it's less people on the job. Um, so that should never be a fear. Uh, another thing with the robotics is there has to be people that know how to operate it, how to yep. work on it, how yep. to maintain it, how to rig it. Um, so it's not just, you know, if you have two blasters or three blasters and it's going to be replaced by one robotics, those guys still need to blast around tight areas that some of these robotics can't access or can't climb due to, you know, the cables on a, on a robotic that climbs up and down a water tank or a robotic arm that maybe the weight capacity of that robotic isn't able to be there. So I would never tell a guy to fear for his job based on new technology. Um, it's just something we need to adapt and, you know, look at the, look at the bright side of everything. And one of those is you're going to, you're going to work more. Your company's going to be able to bid more jobs in return. You'll stay steady more. You'll get more man hours. Yeah. And from the people that have done it, have they given you sort of positive feedback to this point? Is that how it's working out for them? Um, a couple of the companies, yes. Um, some of them love it. Some of them hate it. So, but, um, they wouldn't be continuing to use them if they weren't um, a valuable asset and tool for those jobs. As far as coding technologies, what are some of the trends there? We talked about robotics, and that goes into, of course, equipment and the application and some of the strategies that you use on that front. When we talk about the materials themselves, what's new these days relative to uh, your career? Is there anything that you're seeing making inroads in the market? So. With um, with the new fireproofing uh, technology that's out there, um, some of these companies that uh, can develop to put uh, a coating on a hundred mil stick in one pass, where before that would have taken, you know, three applications to get that. So the technology on the fireproofing side has come come a long way. Also, the top coats on uh, the, the urethanes on our bridges and the nep coat systems here that we use in Pennsylvania. Um, we went from Acrylon 218 to Sharon Williams' new system. Um, and that was a learning curve for mm-hmm. our, you know, for our members. Um, 
but like with anything, there is a benefit that will, you know, ultimately, you know, keep our bridges um, and overpasses here in, you know, Pennsylvania a lot, you know, structurally sound for a lot longer. Um, a couple other things is the plural component systems. Um, more and more companies are going to a plural component system um, for high solids uh, coatings that require these specialized pumps. So the training and um, man hours need to, op- you know, the training and dedication that these members need to, u- you know, to have to operate these pumps is, is just overwhelming sometimes. But it's something that we recognize and will continue to to put forth the training and encouraging our members to take these classes in order to keep working in this field. We're recording this at the peak of the Omicron wave, and I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about some of the COVID factors that have impacted the workforce in the last couple of years. But certainly today, now that overall case numbers are higher than they've ever been, what are some of the concerns or issues that you're hearing from your members, from companies, whoever it may be, and what are some of the strategies that you would uh, tell people now that we're in 2022 to sort of prepare for, or how can they adapt to what's going on in the world today and still find a way to complete jobs and get work as they need it? So with industrial painting, if you think about it, you know, we, you have your supplied airline that goes to your blast hood. Mm-hmm. We're always separated, um, you know, while, while you're doing the work. Um, so that's something that really hasn't changed for us uh, as far as, you know, the whole social distancing thing, wearing at least, you know, some type of respirator. Um, you know, we a lot of times, especially if it's a lead job, we have at least a half mass respirator on at all times. Um, something that I've seen a lot of companies do is if they're running two shifts and um, sometimes there had to be sharing of blast hoods or sharing of you know, blast suits or coveralls. And that's something that really, um, most companies have got away, gone away with. Everybody has their own blast hood now. Um, it's your blast hood. You don't share it. Um, you know, the social distancing while going into, uh, a decon trailer. Um, yeah, it takes a little longer at the end of the day, but, um, those companies are doing it to ensure the safety of, you know, all their workers. Let's talk about the new workforce. What advice do you have to people that are new to the industry in the early 2020s? And when we talk about some of the dynamics that we've gone over as far as the industry and its recent changes, what are some things that people new to the field can do to sort of best position themselves in that environment and to stand out for um, or to employers? So the biggest thing is show up for work every day prepared to work. Um, there was an old saying that was once told to me. If you show up on time, you're late. Um, so you need to, you know, if you're early, you're on time. If you're, uh, if you're on time, you're late. And that's really one of the biggest things is the, the work ethic, um, showing up, putting a good day's work in. And, um, you'll see that with your man hours too. When I talk about man hours, how much you work throughout the year. Um, if you have a good work ethic, companies are going to want to keep you. They actually will fight for you. They'll call you and say, Hey, let me know when you're off, you know, because I, I need, I, you know, I'd love for you to work for me. And it becomes, you know, almost a battle for these companies to want 
certain employees because of their work ethic. And that is the, one of the biggest thing. Don't be afraid to make mistakes in life. You know, that's one of the things people don't realize. Um, we don't learn um, by doing everything right. We learn by making mistakes and it's okay to make a mistake. So I tell every apprentice, at least that was coming up under me is it's okay to make a mistake. I'd rather see you make a mistake than do nothing and stand there. And, and I'm uh, guessing, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm assuming that this advice is pretty uh, applicable across the board. I know you represent uh, Pennsylvania for the most part. We referenced the Steel City chapter earlier. But when you talk to union leaders in other cities, I'm assuming that a lot of these trends, it's not just, you know, a Pennsylvania trend. I'm guessing that this is pretty widespread, that no matter where you are, this is something that someone should uh, consider and take into heavy consideration. Absolutely. Um, one other thing I, I was going to add here, but um, show up for class. We have um, we have a great apprenticeship program, and that's not only just here in Western PA, but all over the country. Our training, to me, um, is is top notch um, when it comes to our curriculum that we teach and our safety um, training that we have. Our apprentices come out there literally with. Um, almost 500 hours of classroom training. They need 6,000 hours on the job training uh, in order to graduate our, from our program. And for us, uh, these apprentices see the value in this. They understand that I don't need a four-year degree to make it anymore. We have uh, third-year apprentices coming out there almost making six figures a year. And um, a lot of these guys really take our training serious. And over the years, we have... Um, We've seen a culture change when it comes to training. People want to come into training where before we had to beg them to come. So that's a that's a great thing. And, you know, changing that culture has definitely paid off. Andrew, before we wrap up, is there anything that you would like to add with regards to the merger of SSPC and NACE into AMP and what people should be looking for moving forward and how this can potentially impact their jobs on a regular basis. So with a merger, um, I know a lot of people were, were hesitant about this merger at first. Um, but I will say that, uh, once this happened, um, I feel that there's a huge benefit about two, two and two entities that do the same exact thing, uh, merging to become stronger. Um, it really puts them, you know, together. Working together is always better than working against each other. Um, I think that with the future that what what they have to offer as far as changing any of their certifications are only going to be better for the end users and for the contractors and for the members and, you know, people taking these certifications. And as far as today with AMP, what are some of the things that you're doing? Um, so I sit on the young professionals committee. Um, so our goal is to get young individuals, um, as early as middle school involved in the coding industry, um, through high school as well. Um, something that I focus on particularly is getting these individuals that don't want to go into, you know, a chemistry field or engineering field to get them actually involved in the application of the coatings so getting them into the trades um also we uh with the merger 
the SSPC and NACE Steel City chapter and the Pittsburgh chapter of NACE, um, we are still you know, going forward forward with that and calling ourselves the Steel City chapter um, for the AMP uh, merger. As we wind down, Andrew, for anyone who wants to get more information from you, IUPAT, District Council 57, what are the ways that they can do that? Feel free to toss out anything like social media, a website, email, just whatever you would like to plug that you think an interested listener could potentially use to get started with um, you or your organizations. Yeah, so our website would be www.iupat dc57.org and then our international site would just be iupat.org um all our contacts information social media are always linked to our websites and um it's great information to check out um and it's not just a job when you when you got when whoever checks this out um you'll see that it's not a job it's a career and we truly are a family um, where we, once upon a time, we were called the Brotherhood of the IUPAT. Um, now obviously, you know, we, we have sisters in there too. Um, but we really truly are a family. And, um, it just goes to show that when you come into the IUPAT, you're not just a number. Yeah, I think that's a great point and an appropriate way to end it as well. Folks, uh, as always, I appreciate you so much for listening. For Andrew Kroll, I'm Ben DuBose, and if you want more information on our end, the easiest places are, of course, the website. You can go to the AMP website at ampp.org, and you can also visit codingspromag.com for all sorts of news related to protective coatings and everything a contractor needs to improve his bottom line. With that, we'll sign off. For Andrew, I'm Ben. Thanks, as always, for listening, and please come back soon for another new podcast from the Codings Pro interview series.